Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. They were attractive looking, they were intelligent, they were in love. The idea that these were the the bad guys, that they were capable of doing anything so vile, is something that's hard for us to comprehend. Mary, are we recording? We are. You like to hit, hit, go. Hit, go. Episode 66. Part two of Paul Bernardo and Kara Homolka. Yeah. Carla. What do I say? Kara. Carla Homolka, the Ken and Barbie killers. Yeesh. First, we want to talk about a few meetups that we have coming up. You have your chance to meet us. Yay. Is that a yay? I don't know. We're weird. I don't know. I'm weird. You can people. It sounds good. It's good for me. Well, for us, because we want to meet the peoples that we talk to online a lot. So we're going to be meeting at Legends in downtown Salt Lake City on August 3rd from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Anybody that can make it is free to attend. Yeesh. So there is an, uh, uh, an event on Facebook, and you can RSVP so that we have a big enough space for everybody. If you're not on Facebook and you're not part of the group, email us at colormedeadpodcast at gmail.com. That way we know how many, how big of a space, table, that kind of thing. And we want to give a big thanks to Katie Moore for um, organizing. Heading this, yeah. yeah, heading this whole thing up for like, us. Like, we basically have to show up. She got it all ready for us. So, hey, thanks, Katie. Thank you. And you can get a hold of her on Facebook, I'm sure, to let her know that you're coming. But then we're going to Nyalins. We're going to be in New Orleans from the 9th to the 13th of August. And we don't have any meetup time spots yet. So on our website and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, when it gets closer, we'll try to update on where we're going to be if we plan meetups with, you know, not if we are, but when we decide where we're going to be, we'll update you on that. And we'll be staying at the Intercontinental. (laughs) The International, if you're me. (laughs) The Intercontinental Hotel. Um, so if you guys want to check out rooms there, or if you want to get something close by, um, we can always meet wherever. If you guys want to donate to our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash colormedeadpodcast or colormedeadpodcast.com and click donate for three different options to donate. Yep. We have PayPal, Patreon. Well, there's a one-time PayPal. Subscribe PayPal. <laughs> I can't say the words. There's so many P's and Patreon. <laughs> Um, we want to give a huge shout out to our examinators, Samantha Vaughn, Clinton Toon, and Sharon Hoffman. And also a big thanks to Glenn Weber from Canada who helped us. Well, he did 99% of the research on this case and he did a fantastic job. Yeah, we did a little follow up research to make, well, not to make sure, but I like to know before that, you know. I like to be familiar with it, but he did amazing. He, like, sent us... He fine-tooth combed this shit. He did a great job. Thank you, Glenn. Yes. It's a local case for him, and he was really excited to do it, and we appreciate all the help. So, last week, we talked about... Nope. I was going to say Ken, but how about we call him Paul? (laughs) We talked about him growing up, and we talked about Carla growing up. We talked about them meeting, getting engaged, uh, him raping all the people... 
Including her little sister. Including her sister and killing her and Carla dressing up like little sister to fulfill his fantasies. So we Because he's a perverse yeah, piece of shit. We've gotten into the fuckery already. So we're just going to continue on with the fuckery that is the Ken and, and Barbie, Barbie killers. killers. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. dun. Big, Big cunts. Yes. So June 7th, 1991, despite their upcoming nuptials, Bernardo and Homolka had begun to drift apart. On the bachelor trip to Florida, Bernardo had fallen for a nurse by the name of Allison Worthington, a, <laughs> a self-proclaimed lover of the anal sexes. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. She appealed to Bernardo's sexual sadism in ways that Carla could not. So, because Carla was one person and he wanted all the peoples, is that it? Like, I can't imagine that their relationship is falling apart considering what he likes to do. I don't know. But Bernardo had even had his fiancée pretend to be his sister when Worthington called their shared home. Oh. Oh, I am. When Worthington called, he was like... It's just my sister. It's just my sister. That I talk about butt sex with. It's fine. No big deal. Is that weird? That's not weird, right? That's not weird. You let your brother bang you in the ass, right? Well, she didn't have any, but. So Homolka knew that she had to act quickly to save this relationship. So she befriends a teenager only identified as Jane Doe. Now Homolka invites Jane on a girl's night, finger quotes, girl's night out. The pair go shopping and, you know, before returning to the home, they had a day together. It was... Here that Jane is offered alcohol laced with sedatives. Weird. Sure. Yeah. This is my surprise face. Let me show you my surprise face. <laughs> Shortly after Jane loses consciousness, Homolka calls Bernardo home with the promise of a surprise wedding present. Delighted with his little surprise, Bernardo films the pair raping the unconscious teenager. What a sweet wedding present. I love you so much. Here's a let's video us raping this poor child. This poor little teenager. Their victim wakes up the next day with nausea, but leaves without realizing that she's been raped. She just thinks that she's got a hangover. Oh, my God. She becomes a close friend with the couple, even accompanying them on, like, a trip to Toronto. Well, Homolka's twisted gift rekindles the relationship, and Bernardo cuts ties with Worthington. Going on to marry Carla later that year, Jane Doe is reportedly a guest at the fucking ceremony. Well, because she thinks she's just a friend. She doesn't mm-hmm. know that she's getting railed and videoed. While she's, While she's unconscious yeah. and full of drugs. and yeah. yeah. She thinks she wakes up nauseous. She thinks she's just waking up. Hungover. Hungover. Yeah. Not like, I, I drank so much. I blacked out last night. Do you guys remember? No, we no. just went to bed. We just put you on the couch, boo-boo. Yeah. So June 15th of 1991, in the early hours, Bernardo takes a trip to Burlington, Ontario, to steal license plates to use for his smuggling business. To okay. smuggle those cigs. Fuck. <laughs> Must have been a prolific fucking adventure. If he could make money, like, he quit his job and was just making money off... What the fuck? <laughs> Canada, I think you've messed up. (laughs) He finds a 14-year-old named Leslie Mahaffey, who's been locked out of her house as a punishment for missing her curfew. So she had been out late with friends after a funeral of another friend who had been killed in a car crash. Now, during the trial, every time Debbie walked into the courtroom, others remembered why she was there and wondered how she could bear it. 
The reason her daughter Leslie was wandering around the own, her own backyard that day is because she missed the curfew and her own fucking mom locked her out. And she was afraid to knock. She was afraid to knock. The note that she got when she got home on her door says, you missed curfew, you have to sleep on the porch. Love, mom. Like, I don't know if it said love, mom, but you, you missed curfew, you have to sleep on the porch. That's lovely. So after Mahaf, Mahaffey asks for a cigarette from Bernardo, he takes her, leads her to the car where he blindfolds her and then forces her inside. Drives her back to their home in Port Dalhousie. I don't know. I always like. I think it should be Dal Dalhousie. <laughs> De- I, we're fucking Americans yeah. and we're fucking retarded, so <laughs> it might be Dalhousie, but I think it's Dalhousie in the, in the in the South where we're not from. But that's how we pronounce everything. Fuck me. <laughs> but he brings this little girl back to the house and tells Homolka. Brought you a playmate. Could you, could you, you imagine, imagine? Could you? That, that is my question in this the whole time. Because like, oh, t- that we were falling apart and he was banging this other chick in the ass. And so I wanted to spice shit up. So I brought him home a girl that we could drug and rape. And then he does it too. Like, and then, I brought yeah, you home a playmate. I brought you a present here. And she's all excited. Like, I can't even imagine being excited. I would be like, what the fuck did you do, man? If my husband walked through the door with another girl... Murder. Immediate. I would look at him and be like, oh, bitch. Mm-mm. You want to die, don't you? You made the wrong choice. Fucking for realsies. Price is wrong, bitch. bitch. <laughs> uh, the two film themselves as they rape her repeatedly. When Mahaffey's blindfold falls off, they decide to murder her. So they weren't just going to let her go, but no, she saw us, so... You, you're going to die. Not wanting to arouse suspicion, they, ke- they keep dinner plans to celebrate Father's Day with Homolka's family. Carla is reported to have spent the night making an effort to keep her family upstairs. So this girl's in their basement while they're upstairs having a celebration dinner. Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Happy Father's Day. I'm a fuck up. I'm a disgusting <laughs> human being. God. They moved her from the bedroom before like they had her in the bedroom before right and then when the family came then they moved her down into the basement just just in case somebody went in there for some unknown reason later they disposed of the body by cutting it up with a circular saw (sighs) encasing her remains in several concrete blocks and dumping them in lake gibson about 20 minutes from their home nice wow Mm mm-hmm The missing person's case quickly became national news. It was way before any kind of Amber Alert system, but every news program network and local station ran stories about it. When the news story came out, her murder was hugely responsible for the entire country's hatred of Bernardo and Homolka, as it should be. be. To be expected? Is that, yeah, is is that the one that tipped the scale? Oh my God, they were horrible. But yeah, this one was... Awful. And with Amber Alerts, they came around 96 because that happened during the time of the cadet killers. Because at the same time, the little girl that that the Amber Mm -hmm. Alerts are made after, that that was all going on at the exact same time. So it was a few years before Amber Alerts. June 29th, 1991. Bernardo and Homoka are married in a lavish fairy tale ceremony, complete with a ride, <laughs> a ride in a horse-drawn carriage through the storybook streets of Niagara Falls. Classy. 
Have you seen the pictures of their wedding pictures? Oh yeah, I posted with, them with like the fluffy hair and the oh yeah and the, and the, and the puffy big sleeves. sleeves. Did you want those when you were little? Like I mm-hmm. want to get married and have the puffy sleeves. I wanted the puffiest. <laughs> I was little. I was like six, but I still wanted the puffiest of sleeves. <laughs> Meanwhile, a nightmare is being discovered just minutes away. A couple out canoeing finds Mahaffey's remains encased in seven blocks of concrete in nearby Lake Gibson. This body of water is connected to a power-generating facility, and during peak usage, the water levels can drop uh, up to three feet in a short period of time. So... She could have been underwater at some point, then the water dropped, and there, oh, there's the oh, concrete there blocks. Because I was thinking, how the hell can they find concrete blocks? Like, Well, that explains it. Now we know. Now we know. Police arrived, but after scouring the area for fringe evidence, the forensic investigator, not the examiner, decides to secure the area and return to, and return during daylight hours. The next day, three fishermen who were directed by police to change their plans and fish off a nearby bridge instead see a blackened torso floating by them. Gross. Gross. Bits and pieces, bits and pieces. Like, I'm done. Here in pieces, bits and pieces. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that'd be like, I'm I'm think I'm I think I'm done fishing for today. I'm gonna yeah, right. I'm gonna go home. Yeah, I'm gonna reel this in and, and call <laughs> it a day. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, oh, but no, one uses his fishing rod to keep it from floating away while the other runs to get the attention of the police because they were already right there. Right. <gasps> no. Nope. No, thank you. I'm going to burn that pole now. Fucking hard pass. Mm-mm. Nope. At first, police would rule out the body as being that of Leslie Mahaffey, despite the braces and the blonde hair, because of the dismemberment and the adherence of the concrete to the skin, their remnants were not easy to examine. Later on, Carla will claim that Bernardo confessed his guilt of being the Scarborough racist to her on their wedding night. Racist? Did I say racist again? Mm-hmm. Why can't I say that word? I was even saying it in my head this morning so that I could... Jesus Christ. The Scarborough racist to her... You on... said it's racist again. <laughs> <laughs> racist and, and examiner are two words I clearly cannot... Rapist. Did I say Rapist. it again? Yeah. Rapist. Carla claims Bernardo confessed his guilt of being the Scarborough rapist to her on their wedding night, ruining what was supposed to be the best night of her life. Like, Hmm. after what they've been through, do you think she would be surprised by that? Don't you think that would turn her on because that's what they do? They've been doing? So why was she mad because he didn't involve her? Maybe. In in his racism? (laughs) In his raping? Come and be a racist with me, okay? Good God Almighty. Sorry. Fuck mouth, make words. I know, that word cannot make. Make! (laughs) Your brain's like... Rapist. And you're like, no, no, racist. he's a racist. He's not a because ra- rapist is no. Nope. Okay. August 1991. Jane Doe is invited over again. Mirroring what had happened when Tammy died, Jane also stops breathing while being raped. But she was su- successfully. <laughs> she was successfully raced. <laughs> <laughs> she was successfully revived. Now you'll remember that Tammy was Carla's little sister. Yeah. So. I wonder if they did CPR. Did they take CPR classes just in case? Fuck, I don't know. God. Homolka, who had called 911, phones back to say that the crisis had been solved, the ambulance is en route, recall it, we don't 
There's no further inquiry. Okay. I don't understand that. No. Like, if you call 911 and you're like, fuck, somebody's choking on their vomit, they're fucking dying. Don't you think that the police would at least, like, show up or maybe first responders would come and just, like, double check? You would think. Oh, never mind. We got it. Hey, no, go go ahead and go home. Call them off. We got it. We good. I, I, I I pumped and I blew and it worked and we're good. I. Oh, I'm sorry for calling. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. Sorry. She's breathing again. We got it. Vomit's clear. (laughs) So April 16th of 1992, Bernardo, with the help of Homolka, kidnaps Kristen French from a church parking lot. And she's on her way home from Holy Cross Catholic Secondary School in Burlington, Ontario. Mm. Bernardo is able to approach the teenager from behind and subdue her at knife point. Despite this, Kristen fights... Hard enough to leave, like, a nice little trail of clues in her wake. So, her shoe is found at the scene of the abduction, along with a portion of of a Toronto road map. The section that's torn off of the map is later forensically tested, and many believe that Kristen left it behind in the struggle. By this point, they had become pretty brazen in their little operation, so Bernardo and Homolka are getting, like careless like yeah. they're, they're you know what i mean sloppy sloppy Kristen was approached in broad daylight and her abduction was witnessed by several people unfortunately the vehicle that was used in her abduction was wrongly identified by witnesses now if you go back and you think about stolen plates and uh-huh. everything else that he was doing for the smuggling shit yeah it kind of makes sense. Because they might have had a license plate number and that... It didn't, it didn't even go to that vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so the cops are like, I'm looking for a fucking green pickup truck. And they're like, no, it was a white van. Yeah. They're like, are you, are you, sure? Are you sure? Did you really see Did it? Did you really see that? He kept saying, go through what we're going to do. So I said, um, well, if we see a girl, we're going to stop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for directions. I'm going to try and get her over to the car. So he wanted her right beside him so he could hold the knife to her. And I sat in the back seat, actually more in the middle of the two of the front seats. And I held her hair and I held her head down. So her feet are bound with the same electrical cord used to strangle Leslie Mahaffey to death. Oh, they're resourceful. Uh Uh-huh. They reuse. We recycle. Reduce, reduce, reuse, and recycle. I guess. Yeah. With another one wrapped around her neck. After three days of torture and rape, both vaginal and anal, and other abuse, French is strangled to death. They washed her body clean of potential physical evidence and DNA, cut off most of her hair, then leave her in a ditch in a, like, the edge of a heavily wooded area. Jesus Christ. Right. During her captivity, French is never blindfolded, indicating that they, like, that would say they always planned on killing her. Like, if they didn't care that they, you know, she saw their faces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're probably like, this is too hard. Like, I don't know what they're going to remember, if they're going to wake up, if they're going to choke, if we're going to have to call 911 again. Let's just kill them. Fuck it. And she's forced to ingest large amounts of alcohol. She was made to watch the recording of Mahaffey's rape. Jesus Christ. And act in a submissive manner to to Bern- <whistles> Act in a submissive member. Member. He's a racist, too. Fuck that him. member is a racist. <laughs> act in a submissive manner to Bernardo. Though 
she became like she started fighting back she got confrontational there at the end yeah which, fuck why you're gonna kill you? me like if you're gonna do this shit to me i'm gonna start fighting you back yeah Adally and vaginally no no you fucking don't no so once again the couple leave the body in their home while they go and enjoy a fucking family dinner with the homolkas god and they leave the body there now these are some quotes from carla quotes Quotes. you're totally right canadian oh sorry here's some quotes eh here's some quotes eh from carla (laughs) i said well we have to go to my parents for easter dinner and he said well what if we just don't go and i said well i don't think not going would look very good we're supposed to go to my parents for easter dinner and and what if we don't and i said how's it gonna look How's it going to look if this girl's gone missing and we have no alibi? We haven't gone anywhere. We haven't done anything. And he said, well, I guess you're right. And he wanted to keep her for longer and I didn't want to. Like I was going to work and I didn't want to go to work knowing this girl was in my house and she could escape so easily and I didn't. So she says she was afraid. So I didn't suggest to him. I didn't suggest to him that we kill her on Sunday, but I knew that she that she had to be gone. This is Carla during the interviews. Good God. So she she couldn't go to work because she was afraid this girl was going to escape and they needed an alibi. So they had to leave her to go to fucking Easter dinner. Jesus. Yish. I don't like them at all. During one of her police interviews, Homoka expressed how difficult killing the girls was because she had formed an attachment to them. That's like what That's women... That's morbid. Yeah. Women tend to form more of a t- an attachment than a heartless fucking piece of shit like Paul Bernardo would. I'm just saying. It's like us with animals. It's still pretty, I love it. I need to keep it. It's still pretty fucking morbid, though. That's like you're doing awful. all these horrifying things to these little girls, and then you want to be like, oh, no, I've formed an attachment to it. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm attached to it, but I'm I like... I'm going to call it Fifi and fucking keep it. I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to torture it, and I'm going to rape it, and I'm going to video it, but it's my friend. No. No, um, bitch. Okay. That's not. You're a shitty person. Okay. As long as we got that out there. I never should have gotten to know Kristen. Because you get emotionally involved with these people, and it really hurts. It hurts a lot more because I felt like I was friends with both of them, especially Kristen, because we did so much stuff together. We put makeup on together. Um, we talked, you know, just girl talking Paul was, when Paul was gone getting us food, and it just made it hurt even more. So he'd just be like, you hungry? You want to take a break? I'll go get food. You, you stay right here. I sure bum. What the fuck? From where I've been anally raping you. I'll bring you a sandwich. Yeah. What? Do you want some tux pads for that? No. No? No, sir. Jesus. At one point, Bernardo took a breath from abusing French to go rent a movie and get pizza for them all to share. I don't like it. There is something really fucking wrong with him. Yeah. Like... This is a special, different kind of weird yeah. than any other ones that we've well, talked kind of about like yet. Talking about uh, Joseph Duncan, yeah, where he would molest, rape, and beat the shit out of these kids, and then apologize, and then be like, "Oh, let's go for ice cream." Yeah, what? What? Like, I don't, I don't get it. April thirtieth, nineteen ninety-two. Do you know what that just reminded me of? Sorry, squirrel. 
April 26, 1992. There, there was, was a riot on the street. Tell, tell me, where were you? <laughs> a little sublime. Yeah. Sorry. I can't. April of 1992. Like, I don't care what date you're going to say there. That's what's going in for me. Pretty much. <laughs> French's body is found in a secluded ditch north of Burlington, Ontario. She would be the final victim in the infamous schoolgirl murders. Shortly after, Bernardo and Homoka apply to have their surnames legally changed to Teal. Uh, T-E-A-L-E. Teal, I would say. I, I, I would t- say. If you're Canadian, maybe you say the E. Teely. Uh, Teely. Oh, sorry. Oh, that sounds really Irish. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Or sorry. they're French, so it could be completely different, too. The French-Canadian. Tilly. I didn't know. But this is a name that Bernardo had taken from a serial killer in the 1988 film Criminal Law. So I guess we could watch that movie and find out how they really say it. Or we'll just fuck it up because that's what we do. do. It's our thing. They killed people. We fucked up words and names. Hey, man, I'm not perfect. (laughs) I'm not perfect. According to Patricia Pearson's 1995 book, Behind Every Successful Psychopath, the newlyweds wanted a name that was less ethnic than Bernardo, or more likely not to be linked to Paul's family, of which he despised. So they're trying to build a name for themselves, but not be linked to his family because he despised them. Like, okay, okay. Mary. December 1992. The Center of Forensic Sciences began DNA testing on the samples Bernardo provided in 1990. Dun, dun, dun. December 27th of 1992, Bernardo savagely beats Homolka with a flashlight, leaving her with bruises on both arms, broken ribs, and two black eyes. By the way, if you see these pictures, they're not just like little little black eyes. No, they're like bags of blood filled up under her eye she got fucked up a flashlight has got to be a horrible way to take a beating like anyway is a horrible way but Jesus. dude have you ever like smacked yourself with a mag light while you're doing yeah. shit you're like ow motherfucker and that was an accidental bump yeah all i can think of is those big black ones that are like all metal. yeah the fucking yeah. mag light i was working on my brakes with my brother and i had the fucking flashlight and i dropped it and it bounced off my knee and then mm-hmm. under my foot and i was like Jesus fuck, somebody called 911 that fucking hurt. No, he <laughs> used it to beat the shit out of her. So she temporarily moves out and um, goes to live with her surviving sister, Lori. The one that she didn't kill. Right. So she returns to work on January 4th, 1993, and tries to pass off her injuries as some kind of like traffic accident. Like, oh, yeah, I got rear-ended, smacked my face on the fucking steering wheel is that why it says mag light in your arm <laughs> is that why you've got fucking grid on yeah. your forehead? like there's um, a little grip there <laughs> i know so her co-workers don't believe this and they alert her parents who insist on taking her to the hospital once she's there homolka claims to have been battered by her spouse and files charges against bernardo who's briefly arrested by sheer coincidence the results from these samples that bernardo had given two years earlier were back around the same time positively identifying him as the Scarborough rapist. Good job. You said rapist. I did. (laughs) Rapist, not racist. I don't know. He could have been racist. We don't know. I was overthinking it for you. I'm like, say rapist. Say rapist. Don't say racist. You did. You you succeeded. there's, There's certain words that I fucking, I like stop and I really think about it before it comes out. And then I fuck it up anyway. 
So Homolka agrees to do an interview with the police, assuming that they want to discuss, like, the assault and, like, shit with the flashlight. Mm-hmm. Nay, nay. However, detectives from the Green Ribbon Task Force established to investigate the schoolgirl murders are present at this interview. Yay. Oh, yes. So Homolka ultimately panics and confesses everything to her family. The She's word like, oh, vomit. Fucking word vomit. <laughs> nope. Actual vomit. <laughs> From everybody else. She's word, word vomiting and they're like, <gasps> I know. So she fucking, her little alligator mouth fucking starts singing. Get your pants already because this is going to be a minute. So she's quick to seek out an attorney and cuts a deal with investigators and gives them, like, all the information on the murders. Sort of. Ish. <laughs> Me. Meep. <laughs> that actually, so there, fucking squirrel hunt. There was a cartoon when I was a little kid, and I can't remember the name of it. I think it was called Bungie, and that's his voice. Bungie! <laughs> You can't do that to me. I'm sorry. I wasn't ready. So I I loved this cartoon. And there's a couple of them that I really, really liked. And my age is going to start showing because I was born in the 80s. But yeah, he was this little creature that like went on adventures and shit. And his name was Bungie. And that was his voice. Meep. 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 Anyway. Um, yeah. All right. Yeesh. February 17th, 1993, Bernardo was arrested. Later, um, it's actually found that officers in charge violated his charter of rights by not allowing Bernardo to call his lawyer, even Uh. though he had repeated requests. Now, making his initial eight-hour interrogation completely admissible. God damn it. Can't even fucking use it in evidence. Yeah. Evidence. Yeesh. Door stopper. <laughs> so they can't even use it as evidence. But now that the DNA testing has been completed, the police know that Bernardo is the Scarborough rapist. And since they have, um, they've got, uh, like, they've suspect him of the murders, they approach Homolka. Hmm. Knowing that she's going to make a good witness against him because she's already come out the gate like, he did this, this, and this, this, and this. There's videos. He's, I can tell you where everybody he's, went. He's terrible. Look what he does. Yeah. Well, and now she's been beaten, so she kind of looks like a victim. Yeah. Oh, and, and she's like, look, yeah, look how horrible he is. He's so terrible, and he did this to me, look and he did, he did all did this to, to these other ladies. and Which and I'm not like, saying, like, it wasn't fucking awful what he did to her, because it fucking It was. is horrible. But that gave her an upper hand to be like, oh, totally. Oh, no, it, it was a facade. Mean. It was yeah. a total facade. Instead of being like, no, he just beat the shit out of me, she was like, he did all these fucking awful things. Look what he did to me. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Homolka had moved in with her aunt and uncle in Brampton, Ontario, and tells them that Bernardo is both the Scarborough rapist and the killer of uh, Mahaffey in French. In February, she seeks full immunity, full immunity from prosecution in exchange for her cooperation. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Got denied. There's a fun joke about her cooperation that we'll get to. <laughs> but it got denied. Now... Not knowing that she was actually an accomplice, though, they offer her the notorious deal with the devil that outraged the nation. Are you familiar with this? Yeesh. Yeesh. 
Only later did the videotapes reveal her full and very eager participation in the rapes and the murders. Mm-hmm. There's the funny joke right there. Like, you like, can't be like... You fucking videotaped yourself doing the most horrible... Horrible. 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 The horrible racist things. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh. My fucking tooth hurts. Sorry. The, n- s- sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry you're too far. I'm, I'm sorry you should get that taken care of, eh? Fuck, <laughs> All I, I could think to. of to say that I could slightly say in a Canadian accent, but I still yeah, messed yeah, it up. You should get your tooth taken there you care go. of, eh? See, I still fucked it up. I can't do it. Me. Then, Homolka is given a week to accept a 12-year prison term for manslaughter or face charges for three murders. One of them is her sister, whose case had just been reopened. I think we talked about that last episode about her getting, they brought her body out and checked it out and it got ruled for a murder, as well as other crimes. Homolka takes a deal and agrees to testify against Bernardo at his trial. Hmm. Hmm. February 19th, 1993, a search warrant is issued and a 71-day search begins in port. The word that I can't say. How did you say we should say it? Dalhousie? No. Dalhousie. Dalhousie. I think. Fuck, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a professional. I've even listened to other people say it multiple times, but when I go to say it, I'm like, what What was it? Dalhousie. What? <laughs> it's Dalhousie. That place. The search begins in their home that is there. Over 100 tapes are discovered, including those documenting the multiple rapes of Jane Doe. Police fail to find videotapes containing the recordings of the rapes of Mahaffey, French, and Tammy, and at least one other girl. Jesus. Ew. April 13th. 1993. While she is admitted for a psychiatric assessment, Carla confesses in a letter to her parents and her surviving sister about her involvement in Tammy's death. Mm. Sorry, Mom. Like, how do you start it? How do you say it? So, I know we said it was uh, an accident, but I, I did I, it. It was accidental asphyxiation. However, see what happened was. See what happened was. I wasn't. A virgin and Paul wanted a virgin and Tammy was a virgin and, and then it, then this happened and the, so I, I mean, drugged her and I gave her this stuff and then we did some stuff. Oh, but guess what? We have the letter here. Shall oh. we? Dear Mom, Dad, and Lori, this please is, proceed. This is the letter she writ. This is the hardest letter I have ever had to write and tell you, and you'll probably all hate me once you've read it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've kept this inside myself for so long and I just can't lie to you anymore. Both Paul and I are responsible for Tammy's death. Paul was, quote, in love with her and wanted to have sex with her. He wanted me to help him. He wanted me to get sleeping pills from work to drug her with. He threatened me and physically and emotionally abused me when I refused. No words I can say can make you understand what he put me through. So stupidly, I agreed to do as he said. But something, maybe the combination of drugs and the food that she ate that night, caused her to vomit. You don't say. Hmm. What was that drug that they gave her that we can't say right? <laughs> that. I tried hard to save her life. I'm so sorry, but no words I can say can bring her back. I have thought many times of killing myself, but I couldn't put you through the pain of losing another daughter and sister again. Ugh. 
I don't blame you all. I like how she tries to make herself the fucking victim. Yeah, like, I don't want to do that to you. Cause it's easier for me to tell you that I killed your daughter. That That's way easier. I don't blame you all if you hate me. I hate myself. I live with the pain of knowing I unintentionally killed my baby sister every day. I think that's the real reason I put up with Paul's abusive behavior. I felt I deserved it for allowing him to drug and rape my beautiful baby sister. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I loved her so much and never want to do wanted to do anything to hurt my Taminskis. Uh, please believe me. I would gladly give my life for hers. Nothing I can do or say can bring her back. I don't expect you to ever forgive me. I will never forgive myself. Carla XOXO. Oh, fucking gross. Oh, since you said that you don't forgive yourself and did a pity party, then we... I guess we're okay. We're okay. May 1993, the plea agreement that we refer to as the deal with the devil by the media and much of the Canadian population between Crown prosecutors and Homolka's lawyers is totally finalized. She agrees to plead to manslaughter in respect to the deaths of Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French. The facts regarding the death around her sister Tammy will be read during her sentencing and hearing and the prosecution and the defense defense will jointly submit that imprisonment for 12 years is an appropriate sentence 12 years 12 only fucking 12 that's all that 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 does that's all we're doing 12 12 12 but people they get busted bringing marijuana to like states where people with epilepsy leukemia and cancer that it's not legal will be in there forever We'll get 20 years. But if she would have... So, I know. If he would have got caught smuggling and she would have been with him, she probably would have got more time for that than fucking killing people. I'm absolutely sure. She agrees to be interviewed by the police and give evidence for the prosecution at Bernardo's trial for the murder. She gives extensive statements regarding the kidnapping, the rapes, the murders of um, Mahaffey and French. Now... (laughs) As well as information about her sister's, finger quotes, accidental death. What the fuck? And any crimes that she has knowledge of. Hmm. Homolka's plea deal was severely criticized by the Canadian society, especially after the tapes depicting the couple's rapes were shown at the trial. Could you imagine being the fucking jury in that and having to watch that shit? No, that's that's why I don't ever, like, if I get summoned to court... I'm faking my own fucking death. Or when you get there, I hate or everybody. Am I? <laughs> or, or, I don't know. Or like I? a little weirdo piece of me is like, yes, please. I know. It's but so I don't want to watch little girls being raped and Hell fucking no. tortured. No, because that can ruin your brain for quite some time. That can oh, yeah. mess with you. That's Dude, it's, psychological fucking damage. Exactly. And you don't you don't get paid enough to do jury duty. Uh, no, there's no coming back from that either. No. There's no. There's That's kind of like that movie I watched. Uh, so there's, uh, every now and again, I'll get on Netflix and I'll get in the foreign films. Yeah. And I found a movie called Irreversible. And it has one of the most intense rape scenes oh. I have ever seen in my entire fucking life. And... I watched the whole fucking movie. There's several rape scenes. 
and then a murder scene that's actually pretty gangster. And then you find out that the initial victim that was like horribly raped and then beaten almost to death mm-hmm. was pregnant. Oh. It's fucked up. It's a French film. I w- I'm not ever going to tell somebody to go watch it. Like, you fucking take that on yourself. I won't ever watch it again. I can't handle rape scenes. Like, I can't. I don't not. like it either. On the uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. I've never watched that movie. Um, I haven't watched the rape scene, but I know she gets raped. But then she goes back and gives him his, and that part is totally worth it. I I have such a hard time. Like, even uh, The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Or Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Which, they're not even, like, super graphic. I don't know. Pulp Fiction's fucking... Uh, dude, that one fucking made my tummy turn. Or, like, Deliverance... I can't with that one. No. Fuck me, dude. I I haven't watched any of the rape scenes. I will close my eyes, leave the room, like, tell me when it's over. Dude, I do the little kid thing where Mm -hmm. I plug my ears and I'm like, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. I don't get down on that shit. Like, I can't. And and there's several really excellent movies. Like, Deliverance is a fucking excellent movie. I cannot watch that scene. Mm -mm. Hills Have Eyes, where he's like holding her because i watched that in theaters oh god so i couldn't fucking get away i've only seen the second one i haven't seen the first one and it's the first one he's like holding her face down and you can see like the movement i I, mm -mm, dude nope nope no and like pulp fiction where you can hear him grunting i'm like no you gotta be fucking i haven't watched that part either i can't like oh shit those there's certain parts that i'm like no i will nope 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 because i don't want to remember that the hearing it is enough i don't want to see it that so that movie irreversible that i was talking about it is literally like and the only thing because it's subtitled so i'm like reading the subtitles and you're like, but I don't want to watch. I don't like, want to see this, but I got to see what the fuck is being said. I'm going to have to wait till Spencer gets home so he can tell me what they're saying. Right? So he can read it to me <laughs> while I fucking cover my eyes. But yeah, that was fucking dirty. Yeah. It was it was bad. And then I had to fucking, like, I turned it off. And I went and washed my face and my hands. And I went and sat in bed. And I was like, but me yeah i had to have a little cry to myself yeah I can't. it wasn't it wasn't good but yeah anyway yeah. may 6 1993 ken murray that's uh bernardo's lawyer finds a letter in his briefcase from bernardo the letter instructs murray to open it only when he's inside of the bernardo home it contains directions to a pot a pot lit leading to an attic space it's in here that Murray claims to discover eight millimeter tapes documenting the rape and the torture of all of the schoolgirl victims. Ew. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch. Murray gets six videotapes, two critical, four non-critical, from a ceiling light fixture in the upstairs bathroom. Upon watching the tape, Murray takes that... Well, okay, so he watches the tapes. Murray finds that Carla was way more fucking involved than what her pretrial interview suggests. And he withholds the tapes from the prosecution in order to discredit their star little witness. Despite his efforts, Homolka's plea deal protects her. The tapes can't be used against Carla, and Murray is eventually charged with obstruction of justice. Obstruction of justice. That's fucking stupid. I don't like it. Not at all. She skated, dude. Yeah. 
She, she was just as easy. much involved. Like she was bringing them home. Oh yeah, she was just as much involved in all of this as he was. Maybe like she wouldn't have. I know that it out like without the, him, but. like the Scarborough race. <laughs> Jesus, now you've got me fucking doing it. So sorry. So sorry. <laughs> sorry. So the Scarborough rapist shit, I get that that wasn't necessarily her gig, but she brought home Jane Doe. She brought home, like, even her own sister. She put her on a fucking yeah, platter and here. was like, here's these. Have my sister. Sorry, I'm not a virgin. Have this. And she, she's out. She volunteers as tribute. Right. But she doesn't, but she does. Fuck. So we're going to go to June 28th, 1993, and that is when Homolka's trial begins. On July 6th, as agreed, Homolka pleads guilty to two counts of manslaughter and receives two 12-year sentences, but they will run concurrently. So she only has to do 12 years, not 24. Her admissions, pleas, and statements of facts agreed to her agreed to by her lawyer and the crown are all covered up by a court imposed publication ban ordered to ensure Bernardo a fair trial. Yay. So nice of you. Probably to cover their asses and prevent him from having legitimate grounds for appeal. Before her imprisonment, Homolka is evaluated by numerous psychiatrists, psychologists, and other mental health court officials. Homolka reports one, this is quote, remains something of a diagnostic mystery. Despite her ability to present herself very well, there is a moral vacuity. Sorry, took me a minute. Sorry. Sorry. Took me a moment. In her, which is difficult, if not impossible, to explain. How weird to explain somebody like that. Like, there's a vacuity, which is difficult, if not impossible, to explain. Like there's something about her, and it's not in the good way that we usually <laughs> say that about people. No. As no. Hum- <laughs> no. Nope. As Hamoka proceed- proceeds through the Canadian prison system, there are frequent flashes that eliminate this perception. <laughs> Would you want to be? I wouldn't want to be in there with her. No, mm. thank you. I don't want to go to prison ever because no. apparently it's like common plature for people to like divvy up into their own races mm-hmm. i don't want to do that like i want to be friends with everybody can't we just all be friends i just want to be friends with all of you if you're an no. asshole then you're not my friend yeah that's no, all that's kind of where i'm at but like everybody says that when you go to prison you like buddy up in little bunches of like fruits versus vegetables and shit and i'm like no man and if you don't get in and get all the way in you're fucked Like, I just want to be friends with everybody. You know me. Yeah. But these psychiatric assessments are never tested in open court. If they'd been publicly scrutinized, people may have seen a different side of Carla Homolka. Hmm. Uh, Let's protect her. She's uh, such an amazing person. Victim. Victim. Be the martyr. Ew. July 20. (laughs) Bitch. You're a bitch. Big bitch. (laughs) (laughs) July 20th of 1993, Tammy Homolka's body is exhumed. So I said that a little bit too early, but we're there now. July 20th, it happened. Inside her casket is a wedding invitation for Carla and Bernardo's wedding. What the fuck? fuck? Kind of sick, twisted shit is that? Uh, Hey, hey, babe. I'm sorry that my boyfriend raped you and put things in your bum and and then killed you. But 
here, if you can make it in the afterlife, RSVP so that we know how many plates to set. What? What the fuck? They even put a photo of them in there. Oh, my God. And there were some notes in there as well. Other members of the Homoka family asked that the items be removed before Tammy's reburial. I wonder Thank why. God. Let's let's put the picture of your killers in there. So September 1994, Ken Murray resigns as Bernardo's uh, lawyer. He hands Bernardo's videotapes over to the successor, John Rosen. Rosen turns the tapes over to the police later in the month. That leads us into May 18th of 1995. Bernardo's trial is moved from St. Catharines to Toronto in an attempt to ensure an impartial jury, which was efficiently selected, I don't know, like within a week. I don't know how they're... <laughs> I don't care how they think they're going to get a fucking impartial jury or whatever. <laughs> Whatevs. Whatever. While Homoka begins serving her 12-year sentence, much of the banned information starts circulating the internet and in the foreign media. But it's not published in Canada due to the court-imposed ban. Now, that was the media ban. Bernardo admits that he kidnapped Mahaffey and French, who were selected because they were young and they were attractive. The goal was to turn them into sex slaves, and Bernardo also actually, he, like, acknowledged and admitted to taking the girls to the couple's Cape Cod-style house where they were sexually assaulted and tortured. But he insists that he had not actually killed them. Why? Claiming that he was in the garage filling his car with gas when Mojave died and that French had somehow strangled herself on an electric cord that was being used to restrain her. Now, oh, my ba- God. Yeesh. Now, as Bernardo tells it, he and Homolka had shared an equal partnership in these crimes, which I'm not... I'm not going to say that they didn't. I feel like they did, but I think that he instigated. I think that it was, I I do believe that it was like, do these things or this guy's going to leave you. Yeah. But you still have a choice. Yeah, she did have a choice. She wasn't like forced into it. She eagerly participated in rapes and murders and shit. So like. uh, The fact that she brought some of them home just shows mm -hmm. her like her willingness to yes. participate. Yes. So June 29th, 1995, Homolka begins testifying against Bernardo as part of her plea agreement. The prosecution at Bernardo's pretrial um, for the hearings kept Homolka off the stand for as long as possible to protect her from being indicted by uh, Bernardo's attorney. Murray's primary defense was that Homolka was the real killer, and he said the tactic prevented her from being savaged and shown as the real conniving killer that she was. So, horrific tapes and testimony and any note of normality that seems completely jarring, they're all shown. At one point, Kristen, who has been repeatedly raped, told Bernardo in one of the tapes, I don't know how your wife can stand being around you. Oh, God. On the stand, Bernardo produces himself, like, he gets up there and uh, in a moment of, I don't know, presumably unidentitive levity, trying to explain what motivated him, he tells the cross-examination. Obviously, looking back, I had a problem with sexuality. For me to explain now, I don't think I can. Down the road, I'm going to have to seek professional help for it. (laughs) Okay. okay. At this, you don't fucking say. <laughs> at this point, everybody in the courtroom like laughs. 
They're like, really? Okay. Prosecutors commended French for her apparent bravery during her captivity, quoting the girl as having claimed that, quote, some things are worth dying for. Much to the frustration of Bernardo. September 1st, 1995, standing in the prisoner's dock of a Toronto courtroom, Bernardo betrays no emotion as the ju- jury, whoa. The ju- ju- <laughs> jury, wow. Fucking r- r- remix. <laughs> and when, as the jury announces its verdict, guilty on two accounts of first degree murder, guilty on two accounts of aggravated, aggravated assault, sexual assault, aggravated sexual assault. <laughs> That was a rough one to get out there, wasn't it? Clearly. <laughs> Ultimately, Bernardo tries to portray himself as a cunt, a contrite. Is that it? Is that a right? A cunt right? A cunt right. Are you a cunt right? He tells the court, when I look back on it, how our lives went and how our sexual fantasies went and how they hurt so many people, I can't believe it. Like, I, I really don't like you, sir. Fuck you. How does the jury not stand up and be like, fuck you. <laughs> Death. Yeah, die, bitch. Let's go to America and try you down in Texas so you can die. Fucking expressling, <laughs> bitch. God. Sometimes I think that life in prison might be a little worse than dying, though. Mm, depends, so depending on, the on Yeah. During his seven days on the stand, Bernardo was by turns disarmingly matter-of-fact and brazenly evasive. Brazenly evasive. <laughs> Brazenly evasive. I'm struggling. September 15th, 1995. Bernardo was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole for 25 years. Because that's all you can get in Canada. (laughs) You're fucking up shit left and right. It's amazing. Well, Canada was on purpose. Canada. Canada. However, the rest has not been on purpose. It's just... (laughs) Yeah. November 1995, Bernardo is declared a dangerous offender, meaning he will likely spend the rest of his life in jail, though he will remain segregated in segregated celerity confinement for his own safety. Fuck that. I hate that. I hate it. They deal with a lot of people. I know. And it's always the bad. And maybe it's not. I don't know. Fuck. I just hate it because I feel like they should get theirs while they're in there. And you know, that's the place that they'll get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God damn it. April 1996. Ontario, an Ontario court judge rules that videotapes showing the rape and torture of Bernardo's victims must be destroyed when they are not needed for legal purposes. Is that weird to you? I Just, thought that people would keep evidence. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? In case, like, stuff comes up down the road? You would think. I like, don't know. I've, I've seen evidence rooms. That still have shit from, like, the 80s. Yeah. I don't know. July 1996, a six-month-long inquiry into the police investigation of Bernardo concludes that the investigation was hampered by dozens of mistakes by individual officers. Weird. Hmm. And by the rivalries between two different police reparts. Reparts. I'm very sorry that I'm rubbing off on you. So two different police departments. The inquiry concludes that some of Don... I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. The inquiry includes... Concludes... Jesus, fuck me. (laughs) All right, mouth. 
Make the words. Make words. The inquiry concludes that some of Bernardo's crimes could have been prevented if Bernardo's DNA samples had been uh, processed and produced more quickly. January 1997, Ken Murray is charged with obstetrics of justice. It's the vagina of justice. It's just just fucking shooting out flames and fucking arresting bad guys wherever it goes. Do not underestimate the obstetrics of justice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. And people listen to us voluntarily. And the fucking, it's going to be like a scene out of like a back ass, like, Holly, no, Bollywood, like, where the golden lasso from fucking Wonder Woman shoots out of her vagina, grabs the bad guy by his foot, like, drags him justice. over. Justice. <laughs> Obstetrics of justice. Boom, boom, boom. I like it. Can I fucking not? <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is why people give us bad reviews. I mean, something's fucking wrong with these women. I, yeah, I don't disagree with a lot of their reviews. January 1997, Ken Murray is charged with obstruction of justice and possession of child pornography and for failing to turn over the Bernardo tapes. Ha ha. What? Yeesh. Hmm. So summer 1997, when the Kingston prison for women is closed, Homolka is then transferred to a medium security prison in Joliet, Quebec, which is about 80 kilometers northeast of Montreal, a facility called Club Fed by its critics. We're, I'm familiar with Club Fed. Yeah. I've had a couple of friends go to Club Fed here in the States. Oh. Yeesh. 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 June of, or excuse me, March of 2000, the Ontario Court of Appeals dismisses Bernardo's request for a new trial, which takes us to June of 2000, and Ken Murray is acquitted of all his charges arising from his failure to turn over all the fucking nasty tapes mm-hmm. from Bernardo's stash of fucking filth yeah september 21st of 2000 the supreme courts of canada deny bernardo's request for a leave to appeal his murder on his convictions which then takes us to august 9th of 2000 this is when homolka is transferred to a maximum security prison in saskatchewan saskatchewan for a psychiatric examination I said lots of big words in a row. I'm fucking impressed. Me too. Fear gas. You fucking got them all out. I have a whole page left, so I'm going to fuck all the rest of them up. Right, fair enough. <laughs> Homolka's lo- lawyers attempted to block the move, saying that her life would be in danger if she were removed from the prison in jo- Joliet. Joliet. Um, you think? Because she's a cunt bag? I, mean, me, I, I agree, but move her. Let's see what happens. She's a big <laughs> moose scrotum full of cunt juice. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I said moose scrotum. You did. <laughs> I got so many visuals that it was hard to like explain. She's just a fucking bag of bits and pieces of things you don't fucking want. Yeah. Fear gas. Fucking throw it on the flames. <laughs> November 30th, 2000. It is alleged that author Stephen Williams broke a court order by watching the Bernardo tapes. The lawyers say they don't want to air tapes again in court, so the judge dismisses the charges. Didn't somebody tell him that they had to, like, destroy them or yeah, something? Well, so that was kind of, now an was author's, one of the fucking rules. Now an author is watching them. He likes to 
torture himself. January 2001, Homolka is transferred to a Montreal psychiatric hospital to undergo treatment. December of the same year, the six videotapes depicting the rape and torture of Bernardo and Homolka's victims are destroyed. Finally. In 2001. That was quite a few years later. November 13th, 2002, a book on Homolka written by Stephen Williams is published in French, containing excerpts of the letters between the author and Homolka. We need this book. I need it. Questions, but it's in French, so I, it won't do me any fucking good. Get on Audible. <laughs> I'm sure they'll have a, a an English version. Questions arise over whether the book violates a condition of Homoka's plea bargain, which states that she would not talk directly or indirectly to the media for a book or live endeavor. Gray area here. Not a gray area. She fucking ruined what she was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, William said he didn't speak to Homoka about the crime, so the argument is moot. February 2003, the English language version of William's book, Carla, A Pact with the Devil, appears on bookstore shelves. See, I can get it in English. English. London, England. You can get it in English. <laughs> English. So May 4th of 2003, Williams is arrested and is then charged with violating that court order, um, ordering the barring of the publication of courtroom exhibits used in Bernardo and Homolka trials. Williams had used this on his website to show a collection of photographs, videotapes, police interviews, all that shit from the cases. Now, going into December of 16... December of 16. Yes. How about... Going to December 16th of 2004, the National Parole Border, 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 <laughs> who's we, a retard? Who, who, who's a, oh, it's a good thing I'm pretty. All right. So the National Parole Board rules that Hamolka must stay in prison for her full term ending in July um, on the 5th of 2005. In January 14th, 2005, Stephen Williams, the author of the two books on Bernardo and Homolka, pleads guilty to breaking a publication ban by posting the names of the couple. I'm choking on my own spat. <laughs> by posting the names of the couple's sexual assault victims on his website, which is really ah. fucked up because they were all underage. Yeah, they were. What a dick face. Yeah. So thanks for fucking that up. Isn't that he, why we have a Jane Doe? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but isn't that why we have a Jane Doe in this whole... Well, can't you say minor child? Yeah. Like, use you your fucking brains. Jesus Christ. Don't make them fucking weird victim celebrities. And why is his editing company not on top of that? Or did he edit his own? Who knows? Who but, or publishing knows? company. Sorry. But Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. He receives a three-year suspended sentence and is ordered to do 70 hours of community service. That's it. Jesus Christ. So he got a, a light slam on the wrist. It sounds like you can go to Canada and do what the fuck you want. You kind of can. I mean, the dude that cannibalized that fucker on the Greyhound bus is already out. Right. Uh, yeah. Laws are optional up here. Uh, 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 sorry, we didn't want to put you in jail. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're... Oh. oh. So April 11th of 2005, Ontario Attorney General Michael Bryant says all provinces should place restrictions on Carla Homolka's activities once she's been released in July. Bryant says that he will ask a... Qu- 
Boop. Quebec. <laughs> he will ask a... Okay. Oh, should I do it again? Bryant says he will ask a Quebec court judge to impose conditions on Homolka under Section 810 of the Criminal Code, which allows for curfews and other restrictions. So it'd be like living in a halfway house type shit. Yeah. Brian also states that Homolka will not be charged with the killing of her sister when she's released from prison. Why? I think there's I don't insufficient like insufficient yeah. evidence. Like it's kind of like even though like going back to the Joseph Duncan case, even though he admitted to killing those little sisters up in uh, Seattle, mm-hmm. they had insufficient physical evidence. So. But don't they have a video of it? Not of Tammy, did they? Yeah, they videoed it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, because he made her taste but those the were period all ad- blood. those and- were all inadmissible. Yeah, because of her plea deal. Mm-hmm. Fucked up. All right. So, April 26th of 2005, two officers with the Niagara Regional Police meet with Hamulka to discuss her plans after she's actually getting released from prison. The details of this conversation were not released. So I'm assuming they're going to try and keep her safe and figure out where the fuck they're going to put her. Going to May 19th, 2005, a law passes through the Senate requiring violent criminals, including Carla Homolka, to give a DNA sample to a national databank. That was that happened here in 2005, too, because that's how they got Alcala's little ass... The bill C-13... Alcala. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't until 2005 when they passed that. The bill C-13 rapidly speeds through the government process in part because of Homolka's impending release. Hmm. Gee, they don't want her out? I don't know why. Hmm. Or want to have all of her DNA in case she does more. Gosh, who knows? June 2nd, 2005, Carla Homolka appears in court in Juliet, Quebec. I know that the Canadians are yelling at me, eh? Sorry. Sorry. Prosecutors argue that restrictions should be placed on her freedom when she is released. It is the first time she's been seen in public since she testified against her former husband, Paul Bernardo, 10 years earlier. Public outrage about Homolka's sentence has barely cooled by this time. So now that everybody is like chilling the fuck out, we're going to go ahead and piss you off again. After, oh, June 3rd of 2005, after two days of arguments, Judge Jean R. Mm-hmm. French word. Let me see. Beaulieu. I, mean, I know words like fucking Giro and Beauregard I know, but and fucking that Delacroix. That one's like a little bit too forward. Like, do, do we need to make it weird? I don't know. Well, that's Bo and that's Lou. So yeah, Beaulieu. Judge. <laughs> Judge Jean R. Beaulieu agrees that Carla Homolka may pose a risk to society after she is released. He places several restrictions on her freedom that are to take effect after re- release that include, I was trying to say reclude, it's release and include. Reclude? Reclude. They reclude. She is to tell police her home address, work address, and who she lives with. She has to notify police as soon as any of the above changes. She will also have to notify police of any change to her name. She wants to be, if she wants to be away from her home for more than 48 hours, she will have to give a 72-hour notice. She cannot contact Paul Bernardo, the families of Leslie Mahaffey, Kristen French, or Jane Doe. She also may not contact any violent criminals. (laughs) 
they have to put that in there. <laughs> like, it's really? gotta be. Like, because you just get up all one day all willy-fucking-nilly, and you're like, you know what I think I want to do? <laughs> I want to contact a violent criminal. Yep. Who should it be? <laughs> Who? Let's put some names in a hat. Yeesh. She also will be forbidden from being with people under the age of 16 and from consuming drugs other than prescription medicine. She is to continue therapy and counseling and provide police with the DNA sample. So basically, it's parole here. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. So June 29th of 2005, a Quebec judge turns down Carla Homolka's request for an injunction prohibiting the media from telling certain details about her life after she's been released from prison. On July 4th, 2005, reporters are waiting outside the prison for days to catch a glimpse of her leaving and chase various vehicles they think that are transporting her without, I mean, they didn't even really know if she was in any of them. Look for the fluffy hair. I bet she didn't, like, get with the times while she was in prison. So look for the big bangs. Look for the big bangs. Eesh. <laughs> bang, 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 bangs. <laughs> so, fluffy bangs and wings. That has to be her. Look. Sorry. I had to. So, she's released. Homolka is released from prison after serving her 12-year sentence. She's whisked out of St. Anne. Uh, it's St. Anne... Des Plaines prison, uh, north of Montreal, Montreal, north of Montreal, where she has been transferred uh, about a month before her release. A prison official and the lawyer for the victim's families, Tim Danson, confirms the release date. Homolka's lawyers then continue fighting with the court to prevent the media from reporting on her life. Um, So her whereabouts, what she's doing, where she's working, anything outside of prison. Hours after her release, Homolka grants an interview. Huh. You don't want people to know where you are, but you are going to do interviews. Yeah, what the fuck? To Radio Canada, CBC's French language like service in Montreal. July 5th, 2005, Paul Bernardo is speaking through his lawyer. Says Homolka attempted to murder Leslie Mojave on her own to prevent Mojave from identifying them from raping her. And that's probably that conversation they have. Is she the one from Easter where she's like, well, we don't want to let her go, but we can't like just let her roam around the fucking house. Yeah. Bernardo says it was all his intention to release her. Mm -hmm. Now, in August 2005, Homolka finds work in a hardware store in a town. It's a suburb of Montreal. Longueal? Longueal. I don't know, dude. Glenn, tell me. A. A. Her <laughs> boss, Richard Lapointe, later reveals Homoko's location. Lactation. Later reveals Homoko's location to the meat. We've got the fucking vagina, the obstetrics yeah. of justice. <laughs> and the lactation. And the lactation of, of media. <laughs> so, okay. Her boss. <laughs> <laughs> Her boss, Richard LaPointe, later reveals Homoko's location to the media and releases audio tapes he made of their conversations. So she quits her job. Homoko bails and goes back into hiding. All right. Mm-hmm. LaPointe alleges that he had contacted someone with a criminal record and came in contact with children in violation of her release conditions. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Wouldn't she do that working at a... At a- 
hardware a store. Fucking anywhere. Yeah. Unless you're working at a liquor store where children don't tend to come in, you're going to come in contact with children. November 3rd of 2005, the Quebec Justice Department releases a statement saying Hamoka did not breach the conditions of her release in relation to the August hardware store revelations, and she would not face any additional charges. Why would she? Let's just kill people and get off with it. Kill them. November 30th. Kill them all! Kill them all! Kill them. November 30th of the same year, a Montreal judge overturns the 14 conditions imposed on Carla's on Carla Homoka when she was released from prison in July of that year. The restrictions were ordered under provisions of the criminal code after a judge ruled she still posed a risk to the community. Tim Danson, the lawyer for the families of Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French, urges Quebec's attorney general to appeal the decisions. He says his client felt... Quote, finger quotes. Finger quotes. Like they were kicked in the stomach. I would feel that way. Like, because now they overturned her stipulations mm-hmm. and she can just do what she wants. Mm-hmm. After, no. No. Dece- no, sir. <laughs> I don't like it. I know. I don't. December 6th, a Quebec Court of Appeals turns down a request by the province. Wow. By the province's justice minister to appeal a lower court lifting of court-imposed restrictions on Carla Homolka's freedom. The movie Carla, based on the crimes of Carla Homolka and Par Bernardo, opens in a hundred theaters across Canada. The Ontario Film Review, Review Board gave the movie a restrictive 18A rating. What kind of rating is that? Is that good or bad? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's like rated R. Okay. Sounds good to me. Oh, yeah. Restrictive, rated R, 18, adult. I got it. Get it. It's like a a light bulb. Ping. Ping. Light bulb. (laughs) I get it now. Chum, LTD, and Alliance Atlantis pulled the advertising for the movie from their television stations. I wonder why. Hmm. Ontario's premiere at the time, Dalton McGinty, also publicly called for a boycott of the film. February 21st, 2006. Bernardo's lawyer reveals that his client confessed in October 2005 to at least 10 more sexual assaults. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. The plot thickens. The plot thickens. So Tony Bryant tells CBC News he doesn't know why his client is admitted to these crimes so many years after the fact, but he speculates that the resurgence of interest with Carla's release from prison may have been a trigger for him. So then we move to February 13th of 2007, almost a year later, one year later. Reports indicate that Homolka gives birth to a baby boy at a Montreal hospital. Can you fucking not give this? That should have been sterilized. And did you know that she, did they already say that? That she married her attorney's brother? Sterilized. Yeah. And why would you let your brother marry her if you're a said attorney? I don't know, dude. No. So June 7th, 2007, Bernardo meets with police and Crown attorneys to discuss the 1990 appearance and the presumed killing of Elizabeth Bain. December 17th, 2007, reports indicate that Homolka leaves Canada for the Caribbean, possibly to Guadeloupe, with the man that she married. Her lawyer's brother. Yes. Uh, Terry Bordialis. And her young son. 
who's mm. the same age as my child. Uh, Did you hear that brew from all the way up? All the way up, dude. Oh, all the way up. Tim Danson, the lawyer for the victim's family, said that he would be delighted if Homolka was gone for good because she's dangerous. Good. Marry her. Let her have kids. She's dangerous. What the fuck? Yeah, she's got kids that are my child's age. Anyway. Well, so then a judge in jaw-doodness. So then a judge in June on the 10th of 2008 rules that Bernardo's case can be broadcast and that Bernardo's police interviews regarding the case can be used on public television and the web. You oh. guys can see all of it on YouTube. All of it. Yeah. All of it. All of it. All of it. Yes. So this is where we're going to leave you for now. But we're so, not done. No, we're not. There's more fuckery most, Phil. Yes, there is. It's going to happen next week. And yes, it is. It makes me cringe, like, Yeesh. what we're going to cover next week. So if you want some of our merchandise, you guys can find us at colormedeadpod.threadless.com. Go on there. We'll be putting up some new designs after we get back from uh, New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. And if you guys want to check us out on social media, we're there. you can find us, because we're at Instagram at colormedeadpodcast. We're on Twitter at Color Me Dead Pod. Color Me Dead Pod. And then you can find us on Facebook, um, Color Me Dead Podcast. And we have Color Me Dead Group where we are irreverent, disgusting human beings. And we like it. Yeesh. And if you want to follow Nikki on Instagram, mm -hmm. it's gory underscore Nikki. And if it's Instagram. In no, Twitter. Twitter. Why didn't I say Twitter? Fuck, I don't My know. brain has gone foul. Bubble <laughs> on Twitter. I'm at Entune. Yeesh. I couldn't remember. I literally went blank. So maybe don't abduct little girls and, and stay, stay out, out of chalk, chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.